Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, hello, all of my beautiful freaking people. Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. Narcissists, toxic relationships, love addicts. Oh my, you guys, we are getting into all of it today. Sit back. Grab your journals, grab a cocktail, and welcome to FML Talk. Oh my god. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19. Can you believe that shit? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. I did not in chapter 6 <gasps> He did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on our Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh no, she didn't. Ooh, you guys, this is such a fucking invaluable episode. Are you ready? It is. So, so good. I cannot wait for you to hear this. I've been holding on to it. And here we finally are. Um, We are getting into all things codependency. We are getting into all things toxic relationships. We are getting into love bombing. We are getting into narcissists, how to break away from them, the signs you need to look out for. Like, this is like your guide to fucked up relationships, like all the red flags that you need to know. So Sherry is a trauma therapist. She's been on Dr. Drew. She's been on a a slew of different shows. She really knows her shit. And I was so excited to have an expert like her on to talk about all of these questions. We've talked a little bit about codependency on this show before. This is like a whole nother level of it. Like there are times in this episode where you're going to be like, all right, Gabrielle, thank you. I'm feeling a little bit called out at the moment. Um, So I apologize in advance, but I felt like that too. (laughs) So you are not alone. We're going to talk about why we get addicted to toxic relationships, the withdrawal we have when we go through a heartbreak and leave those toxic relationships, what some signs are of becoming like too obsessed as opposed to being in love because there is a fucking difference from being in love and being in an unhealthy obsession dynamic. We are going to talk about trauma bonding and what that looks like. Like this is literally your starter guide to how to not get into a fucked up relationship. So sit back have a drink. Let's get into it. Sherry Gaba, welcome to FML Talk. I am so thrilled to have you here and ready for this conversation. How are you? Well, thank you for the invite and I'm happy to be here. I love sharing my stuff. 
Oh my God, this is like everything that we always talk about on this show. So I'm so excited to dive in. Can you just first give us a little bit of background of who you are and how you came to spreading all of this information? (laughs) Well, at first it started out as I was an addiction specialist. I was on Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew and another show called Sex and Love Addiction. And I wrote a book related to called Infinite Recovery related to addiction. And then I realized, oh my God, all I'm doing is talking about him, him, him. The the story really is about my codependency and love addiction. Mm. So I ended up writing another book called Love Smacked, which people can get on Kindle. And that just kind of covers what love addiction is, what codependency is, uh, a lot about how it can be created. Mine was from early trauma. And that's really kind of what happened. I just said, oh my God, I'm so obsessive over him that I'm not really talking about what I want to talk about. I'm not an addict or an alcoholic, although I have the greatest compassion. I was married to an alcoholic, obviously, but I really wanted to share this message because this needs to get out there. A lot of people get really nervous when they see the word addiction, but it truly is a process addiction. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so important that people really understand what codependency is. I think that word gets thrown around so much. We have a misinterpretation of it. So we're going to dive right in. I I can't wait because we got a lot to get to. So let's start with the basics. What is love addiction and what are some of the signs and symptoms to look out for? So as I mentioned, another type of addiction everyone knows about is substance abuse, right? But love addiction is in the category of process addictions or soft addictions, lifestyle addictions. So you can think of gaming and shopping or spending, codependency, love addiction. It's basically a mood altering activity rather than a substance, but it creates the same euphoric states that any kind of drug can or alcohol can. So what happens is when a breakup occurs, the addictive lover really longs for that attachment. A lot of love addicts have that anxious attachment style and they've just want those pleasurable feelings of that lost relationship as much as a drug user craves that fix. So what happens is, this is sort of a codependent and love addicted trait. They overadapt to what others want. They have absolutely Mm. no boundaries. They have massive fear of of letting go. They have a fear of the unknown. They, They try to change others. And this is a biggie. They need others to feel whole. And that's because they have abandonment issues and that anxious attachment style. Mm -hmm. Uh, They look for others for affirmation and worth. And they actually have withdrawal symptoms, just like an addict or alcoholic would have withdrawal symptoms. They need that fix. They need to feel needed. They need that approval. They need that validation. Yeah, that's so interesting. And we're going to get into some of the withdrawals later on. But I feel like from my background growing up, I lost my father when I was six years old. I walked in and found him dead on the floor from a heart attack. Uh, I lost my high school sweetheart when I was 18 in a car accident. So I am no stranger to fear of abandonment and really like feeling that, that fear come up. And I feel like growing up, I fell into the term codependent relationship a lot. Yeah, of course. You were searching to fill that hole. I mean, understandably so. Those are two multiple losses for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you identify if you're in a toxic relationship? Because we've talked a lot about that on this show. And my kind of rule for thumb is like, if you start Googling, am I in a toxic relationship? You're probably not in the healthiest of relationships. But how do you 
know and signify like, okay, this is a toxic relationship. And it's funny you say that because I think what one of the issues is, and I'm saying this a lot with younger people, I'm probably a bit older than you. Well, I know I'm a lot older than you. I probably have a daughter older than you. But anyway, (laughs) a lot of people that I meet on Instagram, they're like addicted to getting information about narcissistic abuse and toxic relationships. And I think that's great because it brings an awareness But it isn't great when that's all you're doing is getting into the theory rather than the solution. Mm. So that's where you need good trauma therapy. You need, you know, you need help other than just Googling a word. Although, again, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just it's really important to get that help you need. So some of the things that toxic relationships um, have, the ingredients are unhealthy relationships are, are characterized by constant worry, a lot of ruminating, obsessing. It's a toxic sign if you're altering your life habits and needs and wants just to be with that person. You're kind of turning yourself into a pretzel to mm. please them. And when you give up all of this to be with the other person, they become the single most important thing in your life. And this can lead to signs of a toxic relationship. You're kind of obsessing all the time over losing them, every detail for fear of losing them. And then you notice all these subtle changes, like they're not texting you as much, and then you kind of freak out. So again, mostly you twist yourself to be what they want you to be. You're continually walking on eggshells. You know, you have a lot of fights. You're worried about, should I say this or should I ask for that? What will happen if I tell them what happened at work or that? Or what if I want to spend time with friends? You're really worried about what they're going to think. You're trying to anticipate what might they think or say to avoid triggering a fight. And then you feel guilty for everything. When you're a toxic relationship, you feel like you're the guilty one. One of the sure signs of being with a toxic person is not taking responsibility for their actions and shifting the blame to other people. They always have to be right. You're always wrong. A lot of fighting, being with a toxic person is difficult because everything seems to be the motivation to argue or show show discontent. So when they feel content, it seems to stop. However, this is such a rare occasion. And so then that brings up that intermittent reinforcement um, where one minute they're throwing you a bone and one minute they're taking it away. That is certainly a toxic relationship. And that's what you get addicted to. You keep hoping that they're going to be kind again, loving again, love bomb you again. Mm -hmm. Um, They're very manipulative, a lot of controlling behaviors. You feel like they're making all the decisions for you. They dominate your actions. A toxic partner feels they have to have the right to tell you whom to spend time with, how to dress, how to do your hair. I had a boyfriend that, you know, kept saying, you don't know how to blow dry your hair like a woman. It's it's frizzy. What is wrong with you? I mean, just very critical. Yeah. Sounds like my (laughs) ex-husband. Yeah. There's a lot of them out there, unfortunately. And we're going to, you know, the reason we settle for those sometimes is because of those empty feelings. So we'll, right. we'll, we'll pick up the scraps or take the scraps. A right. lot of yelling, insulting, words are used to inflict pain and hurt and shame and embarrass and degrade you. They're raising their voice repeatedly. Um, there could be physical injury, God forbid. There's a lot of disrespect and then dishonesty, a lot of betrayal. Mm-hmm. They can be cheating on you. The big one is lack of self-care. You really know that you're in a toxic relationship when you stop taking care of you just right. to be with them. So I right. think that's, I, I have a lot of information, so I'm talking kind of fast. But yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. Represent a toxic relationship. Absolutely. And why do you think it is that we become addicted to those toxic relationships 
So the biggest one is because we probably grew up with some sort of trauma. Now, in your case, you know, you did have significant trauma. You lost your dad and you lost your boyfriend. It's what we grew up with. It's something that we know. So let's say you had an alcoholic dad or an abusive Mm -hmm. dad. You're sort of recreating the toxic cycle you grew up with. Mm. You know, our destiny is dictated by this subconscious desire to somehow resolve unresolved issues. And we think we're going to do this by falling into relationships that mirror those experiences. So if a parent wasn't there for you, for example, the father who fails to protect their child from abuse, the mother who's emotionally distant, this is why you're going to pick these kind of people. The cycle then commences when we're brought to feel those familiar, painful feelings and try to alleviate them by entering into a relationship similar to that one that we grew up with. Mm. That doesn't mean you can't fall prey to a narcissist. They're very cunning. They're very controlling. They're very manipulative. And you could be kind of the nicest person in the world. You can be someone who is just kind and compassionate. You may not have any trauma, but somehow you fall victim. Let's see. The truth is it all stems really mostly from how we're raised, our relational experiences as children. But again, it can happen to anybody. And the most important thing is really, it's all about we're having a toxic relationship with ourselves. You know, Mm. the relationship could have started from the very moment we were born. And, you know, in my case, I was in an incubator in my early 60s. And in those days, mothers weren't allowed to touch their preemie babies. So I didn't get any of the bonding or the nurturing. Mm. And that is why I wanted to attach so badly. And so that made me more vulnerable to abusive people. Mm. And so I, I would say that that's really what it is right there. Summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son, and for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from Factor. They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, and desserts. It's a treat to have restaurant-quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 and use code FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code FMLtalk50 at factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy, FMLers. I mean, it makes perfect sense that our brain subconsciously is seeking out those people to play out those patterns that we have come to know as children. And it's so fucked up and sad, uh, but it makes so much sense at the same time. Well, it's basically what we call repetition compulsion. So Mm -hmm. we're going to do it and do it and do it until we get it right. Right. And that's why you keep picking the same, you know, different face, different name, same person. Right. 
it's really pathological. And that's why I always say find a great trauma therapist. I'm a trauma therapist. You don't just want to do talk therapy. You don't just want to, you know, work with a dating coach, although there's a place for dating coaches, but mm-hmm. you want, and again, I'm not, I think they're great. You know, my co-host of my podcast, The Love Fix is a dating coach, but she does the, you know, what you deal with afterwards or how to, what are the action steps after you've dealt with this trauma? Right. Yeah. You've got to fix the core of it first. You mentioned love bombing earlier, and that is another thing that we talk about all the time on this show. And I think that's another word that has like gotten thrown around the internet so much. Can you give us your clear definition of what you define as love bombing? Well, first of all, codependent who wants to be needed, who wants to be loved, who needs the validation is going to be vulnerable to a love bomber because that's what they do. It's the beginning of a relationship and it they go over, you know, it's like over the top sort of uh, ways to suck you in, so to speak. They'll say things like, I love everything about you. I've never met anyone as perfect as you. You're the only person I want to spend time with. And these phrases aren't necessarily harmful, but when they're happening all the time and they're happening so fast and so furious and so in the beginning of a relationship, that's a real red flag. You know, if they bombard you with phone calls and texts, you know, again, a codependent or love addict is going to be like, oh, this feels so good. They're contacting me all the time. But it's not a normal way to date someone. Another sign is they want your undivided attention. They isolate you. They don't want you to have friends. They don't want you to spend time with your family. They, you know, try to convince you early on that you're soulmates. I dated a guy that, you know, on the first date, I couldn't believe it. He said, you know, I'm going to marry you. And, (laughs) you know, what a stupid thing to say to someone you don't even know. But And so that's, you know, they say stuff like that. Like we're born to be together. It's fate that we met. You understand me more than anyone's. They want a commitment right away because they're insecure and they have their own abandonment issues. So -hmm. they want to take you hostage really fast. Mm. One sure sign of love bombing is you can't place boundaries. When you place a boundary, they're going to get very upset. I mean, that is like the hallmark of a toxic person or a narcissist. They cannot have, they don't have the capacity for no. Right. Right. And whenever we talk about love bombing, it's been my experience that it can happen in two different ways. And I want to see if you agree with this. There's the narcissist that love bombs you and does it kind of like in a manipulative, very conscious way. And then there's a person that is broken, that has a void within themselves that is kind of doing it subconsciously just because when they meet you, it's like, oh, you're making me feel better. You're making that ouch spot within me go away. I want more of you. Like, let's, this feels so good. This must be fate. You must be my soulmate. Come on, come on, come on. And then eventually they realize that that's not going to be sustainable because only they can fix that void within themselves. And then they pull back and it's like, oh, wait, never mind. I'm going to go this way. Yeah. I think you're also talking about a trauma bond. You Mm. know, there's three different types of trauma bonds. They're the ones where, like you just said, you meet each other and you both come from the same backgrounds and you think that, oh my God, this is fate. We both, you know, came from broken homes. We both lost our parents, whatever the case may be. That's one trauma bond. And they can, and you're right. They can think that that's like magical. Like it's a a fantasy. It's a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. Um, Another trauma bond is when you meet, well, these are just other types of trauma bonds. Growing up in a dysfunctional home, siblings can become trauma bonded because their parents weren't there for them. Mm -hmm. And then of course, the narcissistic abusive trauma bond is the one where there's intermittent reinforcement or where they're very uh, throwing you a bone and then taking the bone away, 
I love you this minute, criticizing you the next. And so you become trauma bonded and you become addicted to wanting that, you know, high again of when they're treating you really great, which is the love bombing part. Right. Oh, it's like so deep to unpack, but that's an interesting perspective of that first trauma bond you talked about when there's two people that come from similar backgrounds or have similar like traumas that they've been through that kind of like connect in that way. And that becomes that kind of like love bombing obsessive. You know, I had a therapist and I am a therapist, but you know, we all need therapy. And she said to me years ago with my alcoholic ex, she said, it's like you're two children in a crib together. Mm. You know, it's like, you're just two little babies, like feeding off each other. And it feels like you think it's love. And it, you know, I'm not saying that you don't have infatuation when you meet someone, or right, you, don't get right. it, you know, but it's, it's very different. It's very pathological. And it becomes where you you're just obsessed with that person. Yeah, yeah. So in your book, Love Smacked, you talk about the difference between being in love and being in like an unhealthy obsession. Can you talk to us about what that difference is? So in a healthy relationship, when couples first meet, they really idealize each other. Like we talked about earlier, there's just this infatuation. It's just so exciting. Your hormones are going off. But as love matures, it becomes, I mean, it should come become less intense, right? More secure. There mm-hmm. should be security and safety. Uh, then there should be trust. You know, people with relationship addiction never get past that initial stage of falling in love. They idealize the person they're in love with, but they never really feel secure and they never really trust them. And then they become very dependent on the person they love in a really unrealistic way, hoping somehow that person's going to create this, you know, happily ever after. And it's unrealistic to expect anyone to fill that void, anyone to create this satisfying life for you. You're going to be disappointed because you have you're sort of in love with the fantasy of the person rather than the person. So mm-hmm. relationships never really are satisfying. And it's like, you can't live with them. You can't live without them. And they're based on a very unhealthy bond, not, a, you know, I call that psychological bondage rather than a healthy bond. Mm, interesting. And where do you think that obsession stems from? So it kind of goes back to what I said earlier about if you don't grow up with parents that are there for you, you're going to be more um, vulnerable mm. to that kind of, you know, it's you all our parents' me, fault. Me. They fucked us up from the beginning. It really is. <laughs> um, it really is. I mean, you know, think, I mean, if you don't get what you need, you're looking for it outside yourself. I mean, the mm-hmm. opposite of addiction, and we're talking a little bit about love addiction here, is connection. We'll connect for anything. We'll connect for anybody. Um, We'll do anything for that connection. I mean, I hear that all the time. Like, I can't believe I went for that person. But when, or I can't believe I put up with that person. It's because you want that connection and you'll, you'll give up your soul to have that connection. Yeah. What are some signs if someone finds themselves in an unhealthy obsession dynamic like this? What are some signs that you're like too obsessed and you need to kind of take a step back? So you're falling in love instantly. You Mm. think about them all the time. You're fantasizing about a future. You're seeing like, you know, I mean, I would in my book, Love Smacked, you know, I was married to talk about being married several times. I was more in love with the wedding than actually the marriage. I mean, I was like in my wedding dress and already thinking what my wedding dress was. Right. It was just really, really crazy. But that was a coping tool for me to fantasize about stuff Mm. like that. That was my love addiction. And it helped me cope when I was a young child dealing with parents yelling and all this other stuff 
it was just how I cope. You know, some people read. I, I, I romanticize things. Yeah. But other things, you overwhelm partners with attention. You always feel it's your responsibility to fix your partner, to make them perfect. You're Oof. not your... Yeah. You're not your authentic self <laughs> with your partner. You're always trying to change to suit suit them. You're hypervigilant and you overreact to the slightest sign your partner is pulling away or withdrawing. That's that anxious attachment type. And you feel mm -hmm. empty and a loss or a feeling of unworthiness if you're not in a relationship. Your whole value is based on being in a relationship. Yeah. Oh my God. Everybody take a deep breath because so many of you listening to this right now are feeling called out and triggered. I mean, I resonated with some of the things that you were spouting off on that list. So I think it's wild when we've gone through the growth and the healing and you look back on past relationships and you're like, yep, those lists are checked off with that. Like I was yeah. definitely doing some of that stuff in my younger years and in my in certain relationships. And that's like a hard pill to swallow. <laughs> and, you know, I want to say this. There's no shame or blame. I want people to really be easy on themselves. Mm -hmm. For a long time, I was really ashamed that I had been married multiple times. It really made me feel bad. And I, maybe many of you have been married multiple times or you've had many relationships. You're still trying to find somebody. There's no shame. I mean, there's things that have happened to you in your life that brought you to this place. Yeah. So, you know, take the time. Don't keep trying to find and chase and just work on yourself. And I know you probably hear that all the time and people don't want to hear that, but it really is true. Until you yeah. release all that trauma from the past, you're going to keep attracting and getting obsessive and falling into love addicted and codependent relationships. That's right. We talk about it all the time on this show that if there is a pattern in your life and like people DM me and they're like, I keep getting cheated on. Every person I'm with keeps cheating on me. Do you deserve that? Absolutely not. Is there something within you that's attracting the men that are cheaters? Yes. And until you fix and heal that, you're not going to be able to attract different stuff in the future and have the better relationships that you want. Absolutely. So earlier you mentioned withdrawing from a toxic relationship or a love addicted relationship. And I find this so fascinating because I feel like when my listeners read my second book, there was a lot of that going on with my ex and I that they watched play out. And while some people, including myself, when I reread it, wanted to like pick up the book and shake me and be like, what are you doing? I think a lot of those times was me going through a withdrawal and having to detox from that person. So can you touch a little bit on what withdrawal from a toxic or love addicted relationship looks like? Right. It's funny because I just posted today something like this. I said, you know, why do people feel empty? And so I, I had a carousel post on what are the reasons people feel empty um, when they're mm -hmm. not in a relationship? And by the way, they can find my Instagram at trauma underscore codependency curious. So trauma underscore, I got to remember that codependency curious. But anyway, Love that. It's very agonizing. You feel really empty. You're obsessive. You panic. There's a sense of not knowing who you are and the feeling you will never find love again. You think you'll be alone forever. Mm. The positive side is here's the time to have an opportunity to become whole again. To, yeah. Withdrawing is a time to meet yourself, to find your authentic, precious self you've been avoiding. It's time to self-love, heal, get into healthier relationships. So use that instead of getting rushing into another relationship, use that time to heal. 
Yes. Oh my God. That is such a big one. So important. And sometimes the hurt is so great when we're going through that withdrawal and that heartbreak that we just want it to go away. So we fix it with jumping into something else. And that is the biggest disservice you could ever do for yourself. And again, because one of my specialties, you know, is also addiction, alcoholism, it's the same thing. They're filling that empty void Mm -hmm. by using a substance to feel to feel something. And, yeah. uh, you know, it never works. It feels good for the moment. Just like, you know, I think about fall in love, you know, you, you, and then you, you, it feels just so good. It's such a goodie in your life. And then if it's not the right person, now you're back to square one again. Right. So you think that this person is, co- you know, solving all your problems. You'll never be alone again. And, you know, the, like you said, the pain is excruciating. And if you have early trauma or, you're going through a breakup even, and it's really painful. You have to walk through the pain to get to the other side. And yeah, know, people, a lot of people just aren't willing to do that. I wasn't. I was like, mm-hmm. no way. I am going to find somebody else. I am not going to sit and be depressed like this. Not happening. Yeah. No, that is the biggest statement of the episode. You have to walk through the pain to get to the other side. It's so important. Please just do it. Do it now. If you don't do, do it, it now, you're going to do it when you're older and you're going to be fucked then. So just well, really absolutely. I got my last divorce it was in my early 50s. I mean, I knew better. I mean, I had a I had a therapist that said said to me, um, I went back to school later in life, but when I met the alcoholic and he I he just he was unavailable. He was just unavailable for so many reasons. And she said to me, you know, this may be the best you're going to get. And of course, being a codependent and a love addict, untreated, had not done trauma therapy, had just done talk therapy. I said, oh, I'm going to fix this guy. I'm going to fix him. Mm -hmm. He is not going to be like this forever. You fall in love with potential instead of the person. And and I I, I share this because so many people find great therapists that are talk therapists, but you really want to find someone that does trauma. That's so important. Yeah. And stop fantasizing about the potential of what you think this could be and what you, God, if I would have realized how much I was like rooting for the person that I built this man up to be, as opposed to like who he was showing me very plainly in front of me, he was, it would have been a lot more streamlined of a situation for me. So that's a big takeaway. Well, you know, it's when you say that I'm, I'm flashing back to like, you go and tell your friends all these great things about them. You're championing them, but you have this knowing inside. You know that they're not, and you're only mm-hmm. talking about them like this. Like in the past, you know, I would put up a lot of Facebook pictures, and I think it was a way, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people can relate to this. It's a way to really like say, this is great when it's really not great. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not saying people don't have genuine, beautiful couple pictures on Facebook, but I think a lot of people do that to make it look better than it is. Right, right. Like, look how great and look how happy. And yeah, it's one of the toxic things about social media that is so detrimental to our mental health, I feel. And we're all guilty of it. And I think the social media people kind of create it that way. They want us to be, you know, addicted to it. So, right. um, yeah, I had someone say to me recently, like I'd been in a relationship a while back and there were a lot of pictures and she said, well, what happened? And I said, you know, and I said, I put those pictures up. I wrote, there were problems and somehow that was going to make things better. And it doesn't. Yeah. I think a lot of people will relate to that. So we've mentioned narcissists a couple of times. We have talked about that on this show many a times before. Do codependents and narcissists naturally kind of like attract to each other? Are they kind of like 
you're screwed from the beginning if you're a codependent because the narcissist is coming for you. So yes, you know, you have two people <laughs> yes. here. You have two. Yeah, they're well, both of them have abandonment issues, but they manifest differently. The codependent mm-hmm. wants you to need them, will be the giver. The narcissist also has abandonment issues. They're also insecure, but they're going to be the taker. And mm-hmm. they have this need called narcissistic supply where they need tons and tons of attention and the codependent needs to be needed, needed, needed. So they're just right. a perfect magnet for each other. Yeah. Ugh, it's so like, protect yourselves, guys. Fix your codependency so you're not attracting the narcissist. If people do find themselves stuck in a relationship with a narcissist, what are some boundaries that you can create with a narcissist to try and separate yourself a little bit? Well, like I said earlier, the first thing you're going to know if you're try to set a boundary and they won't let you set the boundary. Right. So right off the bat, you're going to be like, okay, this is definitely a narcissist. I'm trying to say no and they're not letting me. They won't have it. So you're going to know that you're, you're with someone who is toxic. They're going to try to continue to manipulate you when you're trying to set a boundary. So what do you want to do? You don't need to justify, explain, or defend yourself. Narcissists use scrutiny or intimidation to make others second guess themselves. So don't, when you see that you're getting defensive or trying to justify yourself, stop. You don't need to do that. And leave when it doesn't feel healthy. You don't need anyone's Mm. permission to exit a destructive interaction. Even if you're on a date with someone, it doesn't feel good. Look at your iPhone watch and say, oh, somebody's calling me. I got to go because you know you're in a dangerous situation. Uh, decide what you'll tolerate and what you won't. You know, a key component of setting healthy boundaries is knowing when to say no and doing so. Now, of course, you know, codependent love addicts have a really hard time with this because um, they're insecure. They don't want to leave the relationship. So that's why it's hard to do all the things I'm saying right now if you don't have right. a sense of self. So you re- you right. got to have that sense of self to be able to create a boundary. If they're name calling you, bullying you, that may be a really good time to end a conversation, walk away, say, I will walk away and I will come back when you treat me with respect. Um, mm. You don't have to explain any further. You know, there's, there's a great saying in Al-Anon, which is a program for uh, people that have loved alcoholics, mm-hmm. is that no is a complete sentence. So right. no. Learn to artfully sidestep intrusive questions. You know, think about politicians, how they do that all the time. Right. If if a narcissist asks an intrusive question, you can gracefully shift topics. That's one way to do it. You know, take the bully by the horns. Narcissists are dying for attention and approval to counteract their own deep unconscious feelings of abandonment and unworthiness Mm. and emptiness. So they're constantly going to test to see what they can get away with. So don't underestimate the power of a narcissist. They spent a lifetime learning how to manipulate. That's how they that's how they survive as children. Right. So, you know, you got to set healthy boundaries. Remember, good boundaries include consequences. Part of set, setting boundaries is knowing what you are prepared to do if your boundaries are ignored. Mm-hmm. Consequences are best when they're clear in your mind ahead of time. You can adhere to it when they violate your yeah. boundaries. Yeah. So many times I think people set boundaries and don't follow through with the consequences. And it's like, what was the point of setting the boundary in the first place? Because that person is now just learning from you that your word doesn't matter and that there's not going to be a negative consequence for them if they disrespect you. It's true. Very true. Yeah. It's so tough when people find themselves in these relationships. And so many times people are like, well, I don't get it. Why don't you just leave? Can you talk a little bit about why you think that's so 
difficult for someone to leave and break free from a narcissist? Many reasons. But if you're a love addict or codependent, you don't want to be alone. You want to feel needed. Mm -hmm. You are afraid that you won't find somebody else. You're trying Mm -hmm. to avoid that excruciating emptiness. You want to avoid that withdrawal. So the the idea is to really look at every relationship that enters our life as an opportunity to grow and become more self-aware. You know, our focus really has to shift from the outside in. And every relationship is manifested into our lives really to be a mirror of our relationship Mm -hmm. with ourselves. So if you're having an attract, if you're, you know, in a toxic relationship, then there's a good chance you're in a toxic relationship with yourself. So that's why I talk about investigating the roots of why you keep getting into these relationships. What is the family of origin issues? What it, like you talked about, which was great. What patterns do you need to change? You know, work with a trauma therapist so you can discharge all this trauma, learn how to regulate your nervous system so you don't feel so awful when you do leave. Um, You know how to self-soothe and be with yourself. There's great tools that a great trauma therapist can teach you. Accept and welcome the process. It's a work in progress of uncovering and resolving your toxic childhood experiences and build a connection with your healthy self. And that's what I would do. But I do understand how hard it is. I really, I yeah. really do. And give yourself grace because it's not just as easy as like get up and walk away, as you just right. mentioned, all of the reasons and why. And again, <laughs> no shame or blame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if, and then again, of course, the narcissistic relationship is the hardest because you're always waiting for that love bombing stage to come back. Right. You're that always, next hit, always that waiting. next high. Yeah. 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 So you have a free ebook and a quiz, which I want to talk about called Are You Codependent? Is that literally a quiz you can go on and take to discover if you're a codependent? Yes. Just go to wakeuprecovery.com. I might have given you a different link, but basically it's wakeuprecovery.com. And not only will they get the free ebook, but also they can join a membership program I have, which is $37 a month. And it's once a month coaching. It's a whole set of modules and masterclasses and interviews. It's like a six-year program that I've had. So there's just a plethora of information but they can take their time. There's no rush. And it, it's a great way for me to reach more people and not just through expensive therapy. Um, yeah. Although I'm not the most expensive therapist in the world. They're <laughs> much more expensive therapists. But yeah, check out Wake Up Recovery and, and get the quiz and also see um, how to join the membership. And if they want to read my book, it's called Love Smack and it's available on Kindle. Amazing. Oh my God. Thank you so much. This has been such a jam packed episode of like really valuable information that I know so many people are going to resonate with and have aha moments with. Can you tell us one more time again where they can find you on Instagram if they want to come get some more information and what the podcast is? Thank you. And thank you for giving me this platform. Trauma underscore codependency curious. I don't think I'm ever going to forget underscore. Trauma (laughs) underscore codependency curious. The name of my podcast is The Love Fix. And it's great. You have It's me and another woman who's like 30 years younger. And you get to see both our perspectives in these areas of love and breakups and dating and narcissistic abuse, et cetera. And my book, Love Smacked. And Wake Up Recovery is my membership. And you can also get that, take that free quiz and get a free ebook, actually. I love it. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing all of your knowledge. I so appreciate it. My pleasure. (laughs) 
Oh, I want to thank Sherry so much for coming on. I really urge you guys to go to the website she gave you and download that free ebook and take that quiz. Uh, it's free. What do you have to lose? Um, and really start digging into your own self and see where do I need to maybe take a little bit of responsibility in the relationships that I've gotten myself into or found myself in? Where do I need to take a little bit of responsibility? And what do I need to heal in order to have some different, better, healthier relationships in the future. Again, I want to reiterate, please hear me. If you are attracting shit people into your life, it does not mean you deserve it, but it damn sure means there is something within you that is unhealed that is attracting that. So don't go into the corner and continuously bang your head against the wall while you attract these same fucking assholes. Decide to be alone. Decide to take a beat and really go inward and get to know yourself. Figure out what needs to be healed. Fix your shit and then watch the amazing relationships that you attract in the future. You can do it. I have faith in you. I love you guys. I will see you next week. All right, FMLers, if you don't want to miss an episode, make sure to follow on your favorite podcast app. And if you're loving the show, drop us a five-star rating and leave a review. You can keep up with me on Instagram at Gabrielle Stone or the podcast page at FML Talk Podcast. For all the merch and books signed personally by me, you can shop the FML line on eatprayfml.com. And as always, have a fucking self-love cocktail on me. Cheers. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.